Welcome in everybody to the Locked On Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Louis DiBiase joining you on this Thursday edition of the show alongside my co-host Gino Camilleri. It is another episode of our off-season options series that we started off yesterday on the Locked On Eagles podcast. You can check that out. We started with running back, so we kind of went into all the options that the Eagles have when it comes to adding running back talent, whether it's top-name free agents, whether it's big names in the draft, lower-value free agent signings, picks you can have later on in the draft at the running back position. So we did that yesterday. That's on LockedOnEagles.com, as well as all the podcast platforms that you listen to Locked On Eagles. So go and check that out. That was a good show yesterday. And today we're going to get into receivers, Gino, because I think you would agree, while pass catchers isn't really a big need for the Eagles, as Alshon Jeffrey is still locked up, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Nelson Aguilar should be back next year. We'll see what happens with Jordan Matthews and Golden Tate. But they could still use a, you know, a speedster, a home run hit type receiver, just another guy to add to the disposal of Carson Wentz. Yeah, we've said it time and time again, you can't have too many weapons for him. And we saw the difference between 2016 to 2017 to 2018. And 2016 had a lot of receivers that really couldn't take the top off the ball. They had Doriel Green Beckham and Josh Huff and a whole bunch of other guys that were just a disaster. And number 17, Nelson Aguilar, which was a different body than number 13, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, it was like a Pokemon when he uh, evolved <laughs> into his next state when he put on the 13, you know. That's but right. <laughs> but yeah, so you go into that 2017 season, you bring in a guy like Torrey Smith, adds a completely new element. I, I think every Eagles fan will remember that flea flicker for the rest of time yep. in the, against Minnesota and how easily he got downfield and how easily he could take the top off the ball. And we thought we had that in Mike Wallace's time around and – we got bit by the veteran bug and see how those older guys get banged up a little bit and they can't be as reliable. So I think it's time to bring in some young talent at that position. And I still think there's some guys out in free agency that we we could get our hands on that could easily contribute next season to bring both Elshon's game up and Nelson's game up as well. Yeah, I don't want to say they need deep plays because I think Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar was up there when it comes to 30-plus yard receptions. They have guys to make big plays down the field. Even Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard have done that. You know, Goddard last year made a big impact down the field. Even, you know, run after the catch, I go back to that Cowboys Mm -hmm. game. And Zach Ertz, he's had his fair share of, you know, 20-plus yard receptions. So you don't have to be a burner to make deep plays, right? If you have good route running, great hands, separation, you know, size like Alshon Jeffrey at the catch point. You can make deep plays down the field, but they really do need speed because they don't have that element to the offense outside of Nelson Aguilar. They have Mm -hmm. the big bodies, they have the great route runners, the great hands, but they need that speed not only to make plays down the field, but run after the catch like Golden Tate was supposed to be. But I'm hoping for a guy that can make those plays happen because of their their speed as the main point. Because again, they have guys that can take advantage of other physical attributes basically everywhere else on the offense and how we're going to kind of start this again is like yesterday where we get into some of the popular free agent names then some of the big names in the the NFL draft and then we'll come back in the next segment with some lower value free agent signings and some lower round draft picks and then we'll wrap up the show by talking about some of the guys in-house so Gino let's start it up here a popular free agent name it's not a great wide receiver class honestly Golden Tate is might be the most I would say the he probably has the best resume of any. He's free gonna agent get a bag, dude. Yeah, he's I mean, gonna get paid. 
there's not a lot of receivers out there. There's none in free agency that has the numbers Tate has put up. I think three of the last four years, four of the last five, Tate has put up 90-plus yard receptions in a season. But what's a popular free agent name to you that the Eagles could add? Let's say outside of Golden Tate. We'll kind of go outside of Philadelphia that the Eagles could bring in to pair up with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar and give Carson Wentz yet another option in the passing game. Here, you take the lead on this one since I did yesterday. Okay, we'll, all right, we'll change call. it up. So, he, so here's one that isn't. So he's not necessarily a free agent yet, but I fully expect him to. So there's an asterisk on this one, and it's Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver right now, at least for the time being. Deshaun Jackson. Have you ever heard of that? Him? Was the least me? shocking thing I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I, I feel like I had to. I just well, let's throw that out there because I've been into this since the 2017 offseason. And yet again, there's another opportunity for this reunion to happen because Tampa Bay, I think, is going to want to get out of that $12 million cap hit by buying out Deshaun Mm -hmm. Jackson, who has already expressed that he doesn't want to be there, right? He was already talking about wanting to play with the Rams when he was on the Sims and Lefko podcast. Apparently, according to John Clark of NBC Philly, he would be interested in Philadelphia again. He won't play with James Winston. He doesn't like playing with Winston, so Bruce Arians can try all he wants to keep Deshaun Jackson. But to me, he is as good as gone, and he is the perfect third guy to Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey, right? I think that's what Torrey Smith was a couple years ago and what Mike Wallace was supposed to be last year. But Torrey Smith more so was a... And, you know, he was a threat to do that. Like, a defense had to keep into consideration Torrey Smith down the field, But he didn't have the execution, right, that a Deshaun Jackson would have. Deshaun, I still think last year, led the league in yards per reception. He was almost at 20 yards a reception, which is just crazy at the age of 32 now. But the guy still, if he ran a 40-yard dash, I think would beat almost everybody at the Combine next week. You know, he still has that incredible speed. And and I'm just going to say, too, man, the fanboy in me just wants to. I've been daydreaming about seeing Carson Wentz rip one 75 yards down the field to Deshaun Jackson, and I'm sick of seeing him do it to Jalen Mills and Leotis McKelvin and Kerry Williams. It's about time that he's back in Midnight Green doing it to opposing NFC East defenses because he has been the biggest eagle killer the past four years. And I think if he wants to finally put money to the side and go for a championship, it would be a good idea for him to do that with Philadelphia. And the Eagles have expressed interest before. I think if the money was right in 2017, if he wasn't looking to just cash in, there might have been a reunion. But he wanted to go where the money was, and he went to Tampa Bay. And I hope he learns from that, and I hope the Eagles would be willing to bring him back because I would love to see him back in Midnight Green to kind of ju- you know, bring justice to what was a ridiculous release of Deshaun Jackson after that 2013 season by Chip Kelly. I think he has a, a story still in Philadelphia that he has so too. remained to finish writing. And I think he knows that as well. I think Howie knows that as well, too. And it's it's not great to keep going back to guys like we went back to a Jordan Matthews that we had before. But Deshaun, like you said, and like a lot of guys around the league have said, he hasn't lost a step. That's like once saying. his once his speed is gone, like, yeah, he's he's gone as a player, much like a Hollywood Brown, if you look in the draft this year. But... He still has it. He has the juice, and he doesn't have to be your number one guy like he was that one season when Macklin went down. He'd be your three he, now. Yeah, he, he'll be your three. And like I said yesterday, that, that quote I read about constructing your team as a bas- as your wide receiver group as like a basketball team. You have your go-to guy, Deshaun. I mean, go-to guy, Alshon. 
You have Nelson, who's basically your point guard. Once you get him in space, he does his magic. Yep. And then you have your guy that could take the top off, has the speed, could shoot some threes and get you those big points when you need them, and that's Deshaun Jackson. And I really would love that pick, that pickup, and I think you could get him for cheap four and a half to $5 million range. Like you said, it is a weak receiver class, but at this point in, in his career – I don't think he's worried about money. I think he wants to get that ring. And I hope. if he could come back and do it in Midnight Green, I would absolutely love it. I hope so because there would be teams that if he hits the open market would be willing to give him another payday. Like I, the first name that comes to my mind, Gino, is the Buffalo Bills with a guy like Josh yep. Allen that has a cannon and can throw it 80 yards down the field and let Deshaun Jackson run under that. He's probably the best receiver of all time when it comes to tracking deep balls, or at least one of them up there with Jerry Rice and you know Randy Moss. He has he, he's breaking so he's broken so many records with deep balls that. I think he he owns the the record for most 70 plus yard receptions in NFL history. He's up there with 50 plus yards with only Jerry Rice. Like I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but he has broken records. Like he is like as a niche deep threat, probably the best all time in that role. And to me again, like I'm not I'm not trying to bring back Brent Selleck or even Jeremy Macklin like just for the sake of bringing back a former Eagle. It's just still a perfect fit in this offense. So that's why I would go with Deshaun Jackson. What about you? What's a big name free agent that the Eagles can maybe make a big splash in on the outside at wide receiver? Well, as mentioned, this receiver class isn't the best. Right. So a big name isn't really, but for the, for this free agent class. Yeah. In regards to this class, we'll, we'll stick towards the top. I was between two names here. I was between Randall Cobb and the person I'm going to pick Cordero Patterson which is probably Ooh. the biggest name at this point in time. I had that written down too as well as a potential name I mentioned yesterday that I want them to address the return position Cordero Patterson would do that instantly and you look at Golden Tate how they utilized him he was a, almost a manufactured touches guy for most of the time you know they they were going to give him the ball on gadget plays they were going to get him forced touches and I think Cordero Patterson is a guy that you can utilize in that role better and cheaper he's a guy that you could get on those jet sweeps so you don't have to use Nelson Aguilar if you want to incorporate both him and Aguilar in jet sweeps get some more motions in there I think he's your guy to bring him in as like a a fourth wide receiver I don't think would be the worst idea in the world for his potential as a Super Bowl champion he knows what it takes to win he's a big bodied wide receiver that has is quick on his feet, can is does things out in space, and has returnability. So if you could bring him in probably two and a half million dollars, he's he's bounced around the league for a long time now. I don't think he's gonna cost you a whole much. He's somebody I would definitely want to take a look at. I, I shied away from Randall Cobb because I still think he's young enough to get a big enough contract. Yeah. And I just think Cordero for what you could get him at is probably out of the quote-unquote big-name receivers, going to give you the biggest bang for your buck for what he does both on offense and on special teams. Yeah, and I also think Cobb is, what, primarily a slot receiver, right? Whereas Patterson played a lot of running back last year with New England on the outside and the slot returner. So I feel like he offers a lot more than Cobb, truthfully. And I think regardless of that, Cobb's still going to get the bigger contract. Definitely. I think Cobb could definitely come into this offense and play that slot role well if you still trusted Nelson on the outside or maybe you draft a guy to play outside receiver and move on from Nelson. Who knows? But I really have liked Cordero Patterson's game ever since he left Minnesota. Even with the Raiders, he was exciting when he went to New England. Like That was the role he needed to play coming out of college. He he wasn't going to be that number one wide receiver like everybody made him out to be. He's a guy that can make plays when you 
draw up some schemes for him, and I, I trust Doug and Mike Groh to do that. What about a, let's head over to the draft now, what about a bigger name in the draft that the Eagles don't want to wait until the fourth, fifth round? Say they want to take a receiver with one of those first three picks they have in rounds one and two. Say they go out and address running back in free agency. Let's say they land the big fish Le'Veon Bell, or they go after Tevin Coleman and or a TJ Yeldon, or say they try to make a trade for a Duke Johnson, whatever, and they add a pass rusher in free agency like they've been rumored to be interested in doing, and they have the flexibility of going for a receiver in rounds one or two, is there a name that pops up to you that would be a perfect fit with the Eagles and Doug Peterson's offense? 100%. His name is J.J. Arcego-Whiteside out of Stanford. Oh yeah, he is six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Former basketball player. Guy is—he looks like an Alshon Jeffrey just in how he plays the game. I wouldn't comp him to him, but when you throw the ball up to him in the air, he's gonna box out. He's going to get it. Shockingly, he doesn't have the quickest long speed, but he creates separation very easily. He's averaging over his last three years at Stanford 16.4 yards per reception. Wow. That's really good for a yeah. guy that probably is going to run a 4.6, a, a mid 4.5. He ha- he's a long strider. He can get open, and he is very good at the catch point. And if you could have two guys like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a couple years ago with Vincent Jackson and a Mike Evans, and then you do that same style of offense with an Alshon Jeffrey and a J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who's going to cover this team in the red zone? <laughs> yeah. You have three, four guys, Dallas Goddard, Ertz, Alshon, and Ar- Arcega-Whiteside over six foot three. That's going to be a matchup nightmare. And you need a guy that can get open and create separation down the field. 16.4 yards a catch is something that this team has been missing this last season. I'm glad you're going with a variety of different types of receivers, Gino, because I'm going to be sticking with this theme of just pure speed. And a guy that I think, while I don't know if he is a round one or two type of prospect, I think his speed and the stock of this guy is going to rise after the combine. And because of just, you know, you look at the guys like John Ross and, Philip Dorsett, there's players that their stock has increased after they ran that 40-yard dash, and you just see that straight-line speed. And it's a guy from Ohio State, Paris Campbell. I don't know if he is wow, where— Wow, how did you—no way you picked Paris Campbell. Yeah. I literally had him on my list <laughs> next. That's unbelievable. I'm, I was just <laughs> trying to find—I'm trying to stick with this theme of just pure speed. And while Terry McLaurin is probably the name people are thinking of right now when it comes to Ohio State because of the recent success he had in Mobile at the Senior Bowl— Paris Campbell is going to run under a 4-4 at the Combine, and while he doesn't have that refined route tree, while he's not a guy that's really done a whole lot of damage over the middle of the field, he is a Deshaun Jackson-type player where he is just a burner. He is going to make big 20-plus yard plays down the field, and not only that, but you know we're talking about scripted plays with guys like Cordero Patterson and Golden Tate, and even Nelson Aguilar before they brought in Tate. Paris Campbell's another guy that was great when it comes to run after the catch. Short yardage plays that should be a four-yard reception for Jordan Matthews, and he can turn that into a 40-yard catch and run. So that's a player that I'm really thinking the Eagles are going to want to add. And if someone like Paris Campbell, we'll see where they can get him, but I think his stock's going to rise. So that's why I'm putting in this category of a bigger name in the draft that they could maybe spend a day-two pick on. 100%, and you read my mind. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> have cool to explain anything more. Yeah, I think McLaurin and what he did in the Senior Bowl is going to make his name rise, and people right. haven't been speaking much about uh, 
Paris Campbell. And I think that's a guy that, like I've said and like I've told our listeners, in those four through seven rounds, you're really looking for guys that have one or two skill sets that they're very good to elite at. And Paris Campbell can get downfield. Guy can scoot. Yeah, and that's why I think, like, again – Based on his overall prospects, he should probably be closer to a third-round pick, maybe a fourth. But yep. I just feel like those type of players, he just reminds me a lot of the situations of a John Ross or a Philip Dorsett. Where, and it didn't really work out for either team, but scouts and GMs, NFL franchises fall in love with burning speed. Because you can mm-hmm. find a guy like Tyreek Hill late in the draft, and now instantly he's one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL. And that's what a Paris Campbell could be. So his stock might rise. If the Eagles want him, they might have to spend one of those picks in the 50s to get him. Let's take a break here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. When me and Gino come back, we'll get into some lower value signings now, maybe in free agency. Let's try to find those diamonds in the rough, some lower draft picks in the 2019 NFL draft that the Eagles could target at wide receiver. And that's coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Lockdown Eagles. Segment one, complete segment two, right underway here on offseason options, wide receiver edition. So we kind of went into some bigger names the Eagles could add in free agency or early in the NFL draft this year at wide receiver. Gino, you actually named one of the lower value free agent signings, but you kind of changed my mind because the class isn't really that deep. A Cordero Patterson is someone that's probably going to be a hot commodity. So I'm going to go with another New England Patriot receiver, and it's Philip Dorsett. And I mentioned oh, wow. him. I mentioned him, and again, I'm going to stick with this theme. I'm going with the home run hitters, the the speedsters. Mm-hmm. When it comes to what the Eagles could add, because I really think that's the perfect complement to what the Eagles already have in this offense for Carson Wentz at his disposal. And a Philip Dorsett, look, he made some plays with Tom Brady down the field, and it was because they didn't have to rely on him to be, you know, the second man next to T.Y. Hilton like he was supposed to be with the Colts when they drafted him in the first round a couple years. That was a typical Ryan Gregson pick, and it really shouldn't have been a first round pick. But Dorsett. The perfect role for him is to be that fifth passing option, right, or the sixth passing option mm-hmm. like he was in New England and like he would be in Philadelphia. And if the Eagles don't want to break break the bank on a guy in free agency but still bring in that speed, I really like Philip Dorsett as an option. Yeah, he's a guy who kind of burned out quickly in Indianapolis. They didn't really put him in the right system. And then he no, goes to sure. New England and he, he played that 3-4 role perfectly. And he's a guy that you could get him probably – 30 40 targets for a season 20 yep. 25 catches probably 16 and a half to 18 yards per reception I don't mind that at all there's a lot of guys coming out of New England Cordell Patterson Chris Hogan Philip Dorsett that are all free agents so whatever teams value what whatever the third man in that group is you could probably get on a pretty cheap deal and Dorsett for the commodity that he was and the low price that they were able to attain him from Indianapolis He's kind of fallen off in favor from that first-round pick that he was a couple years back. So he's definitely a guy you could get on the cheap and a guy that has that burning speed, which you saw at his com- at the combine, and you've seen on tape time and time again. So let's get to you now. What's a guy the Eagles don't have to spend a whole lot of money on, maybe someone that's going to go under the radar in free agency that could make a big impact on the offense next year at receiver? Well, if anybody has followed me on Twitter over the past probably three, four weeks. I think I know what's coming. I was between two guys again here. I was between Brashad Perriman and my guy who I've been pounding the table for, John Brown. Love it. 
I think John Brown still has so much juice left in his legs. He's going to be 29 years old, but he still can fly down the field. Ever since they passed him up in the draft a couple years ago, and I saw him get behind the Eagles defense with under two minutes left against Arizona to beat us, I hate that play. That game was completely under wraps until John Brown was just forgotten about. He can come into this offense, and he's a little guy, but, oh, man, he's a cheetah out there. Like, you talk about Tyreek Hill, John Brown, has he's just as fast. The guy gets downfield. He was down on his catches, his catch percentage this year as opposed to previous seasons. He was only at 43.3 catch percentage, 42 receptions on 97 targets. But that Baltimore offense really didn't get clicking. I, I don't think he was a, a great fit for that offense. The way that they ran it, they were a more run-heavy style team. Agreed. You had a you had a Michael Crabtree who's more a possession receiver. Same with Willie Sneed. Brown really didn't fit that type of offense. Coming to the West Coast scheme that the Eagles are running, whoo! I think John Brown could be a 800 to 900 yard guy next year, if not more, with probably a close to 20 yards per reception. The guy can still scoot. You bring him in with Carson Wentz to throw the ball down the field to him. I think he would absolutely be an element in this offense which could contribute for the next couple seasons doesn't have to be a long-term guy maybe he still wants to get a big deal from a team like Buffalo like you said with a Josh Allen or a Sam Darnold a lot of teams need wide receivers with young quarterbacks they're gonna follow that Philadelphia that Chicago that Los Angeles Rams mold to bring in weapons Well, your quarterback is still on a rookie deal. It's going to be tough to find value in this free agent class because unlike the the edge class where guys like a Brandon Graham's value may decrease since there's so many, this is the opposite for wide receivers. There's a lot of guys like if you remember the NBA a couple years ago when they got that TV deal and you were seeing guys like uh, who was the point guard for the Cavs that won uh, the championship with LeBron. He's Australian. I can't think of his name. but. Yeah, Della Vadova. He got really? like a seventy-five million dollar deal, and he was yeah, terrible. Timofey I feel Mozgov, like, like this bench center got like a huge deal from the Lakers. Yeah, I feel you. Okay. Yeah, so that's how I feel. This wide receiver class is going to be <laughs> a lot of no names are going to get a lot of money. Like they're talking Tyrell Williams is going to get twelve to thirteen million dollars. That's he's nuts. a good receiver, but that's crazy in my opinion. But that's the NFL. You have to have weapons to win and. I think these guys are starting to realize, like, as they get into their older age, come to a team that's going to win a championship. If John Brown wants to be that missing piece to this Eagles offense, Elshon and Nelson should be recruiting the heck out of this guy right now. It's funny, too, because people are going to scoff at Le'Veon Bell getting paid, like, $15, $16 million, but then they probably won't bat an eye when Terrell Williams makes, like, $12 bucks. I don't know. I just think it's funny because all these wide receiver twos are going to get wide receiver one money, but, yeah, you're right, like, they're going to get these big deals because they're really the only options. But real quick, going back to John Brown before we get into some lower round draft picks that the Eagles could go for a receiver. So when the Broncos traded for Joe Flacco, the NFL Twitter account put together like a highlight reel of Joe Flacco in 2018. And literally every deep play, every big play that they showed in that highlight reel, it was just to John Brown. Like he made almost every exactly. big play for Baltimore's offense. It was just him. Mm-hmm. I told you, I, I there's a reason I want him because he's going to come in there and he's going to be a burner. Yep. He's going to get downfield time and time again, and you've seen it. Just look at his stats. Throw on some tape. Throw on that Eagles game that we talked about a couple of years ago. Like He will get behind defenses. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when with him. 
Absolutely. I really like the idea of John Brown in midnight green. Let's move on here now to Gino. Uh, let's go to lower round draft picks. And I think we both have the same name here, so I'm going to let you start. Uh, yeah, we we definitely do have the same name in mind in here. So guy. I'm I'm going to change it up here. Okay. You could take him because I've been pounding the table for him for a while. I'm going to go with a name that we haven't brought up as of recently. And he's from a school that had a lot of good wide receivers this past season. He kind of fell under the radar. But this guy is Demarcus Lodge. He was that third wide receiver out of Ole Miss behind DK, Metcalf, mm-hmm. and A.J. Brown. He was the burner element to that team. He he only had one big year production, which was last year. He had 13.5 yards a reception. He had 65 receptions for 877 yards and four touchdowns. If you go onto the Draft Network and read the write-ups on him, if you go and look at any tape, they point out one thing for him, his speed. He can get downfield. This is from Brad Kelly, who's a great evaluator of talent on the wide receiver position. He says under his portion of athleticism and speed, a silky smooth athlete with explosiveness, blazing speed in space, well-rounded athlete who has solid ability and build for the Z receiver position at the next level. Flexible with lateral agility and above average strength, his ability to leap at any angle and body control to match can make him open when he is covered and his athleticism speaks for his overall game. What do you want in a field stretching wide receiver? You want a smooth, quick athlete. You look at a Deshaun Jackson. He was smooth in every one of his breaks. He was quick, and he was athletic. You look at a guy like John Brown, the same exact thing. Not the best athlete in the world, but he's smooth with his feet, and he's quick downfield. Demarcus Lodge, like we said with Paris Campbell, these teams that have a lot of talent at that wide receiver position, they're going to be guys that slip under the radar. You look at like a Georgia team with a Terry Godwin, another guy we could have mentioned his name. There is going to be plenty of guys. You look at... Right here in Buffalo last year, Robert Foster, he came in out of Alabama, didn't really use him much behind the big couple guys that they had there. They saw that on tape he was able to get downfield, much like guys like Demarcus Lodge were, and they can bring him into this team. So he's going to be a guy I think is going to fall by the wayside, drop into the fourth, fifth round of this draft, and be a guy that the Eagles can snatch up because they like to grab guys around there. It's not the biggest need for them right now. So if they address the edge, safety, and defensive tackle or offensive tackle position at the first three spots, with one of those fourth-round picks or fifth-round picks, I'm sure they're going to pick a guy, either the guy you're going to mention or a DeMarcus Lodge type, guys that could get downfield, have that one, or, those one or two elements of their game that are very good and very complete, and his downfield ability is very complete. And DeMarcus Lodge could definitely come in be a contributor next year, not be the number three wide receiver, but th- be the guy that they thought Shelton Gibson could be and get downfield better than Shelton Gibson could. Yeah, I agree with that. And when I was kind of hunting for deep threats to look at in this draft class, Lodge was one of the first ones I looked at that. Because, you know, kind of the top of this class is more so size, and there's not a lot of burners in this class. Yeah, and not at all. Demarcus Lodge was one of the first ones I'm like, okay, this is a guy making – plays down the field and another guy I found that me and you've been big on and we even talked about maybe taking him in our second mock draft unlocked on the mocked episode two which was recorded this past Sunday you can go and check that out a guy we were thinking about maybe taking with that fourth round pick or the fifth round is Missouri wide receiver Emmanuel Hall 
And oh, this is yeah. a player, too, you talk about smooth getting out of cuts and getting down the field. Like, there's some guys that have the speed, but they come off and they don't have the balance. They kind of come out jolty, getting out of their breaks. Emmanuel Hall is so smooth, and he's got that big stride. He's got a pretty good catch radius and getting down the field. And honestly, I kept watching a lot of his tape, and I kept looking at Drew Locke, and I really wanted to see... Emmanuel Hall's speed put to the test. I wanted to see him run under a deep 60-yard bomb. And a lot of the time, he had to really change his body position to get these passes from Drew Locke. I don't think Locke really did a good job of showcasing Emmanuel Hall. I think Hall made some really acrobatic and athletic plays down the field, and Locke did not make it easy for him. So there were times, too, where Emmanuel Hall is really good at adjusting to where the ball is going in the air. Where that That's a hard thing for a receiver to do. You know, a big part of it is tracking and, and making the right play, you know, when to switch sides from your body, what, you know, what angle to take at the catch point, and that's something Emmanuel Hall does really well, and I think he's someone you can get maybe if you decide to wait a little longer that not only possesses that speed and that deep threat ability, but he has that athleticism, he's got some size to him, a nice wingspan, and he adjusted to a lot of bad throws from Drew Locke last year, truthfully. I thought Emmanuel Hall made Locke look really good on some big plays. 100%. I I think you made a great point on Hall that he's not a guy that is going to get killed off the ball like if you look at a Deshaun Jackson who's right. a leaner's type or a Hollywood Brown who's a lot leaner they're going to get bullied through the stem he's six foot two 200 pounds yeah exactly. he's going to hold his own running right out of the slot he has incredible burst both off the line and then once he gets to that second level and he needs to separate from the receive from the corner or safeties at the top of the stem he has the juice to take it off you see like if you look at we keep bringing up Deshaun Jackson but you look at times he's covered all the way 15 20 yards downfield and then once the ball's out of the quarterback's hands he's five yards separated from the from the corner and that's exactly what Emmanuel Hall does a bigger body type if you had your three wide receivers at six one, six two, and six three. I think you're sitting pretty. I agree. Emmanuel Hall, interesting option out of Missouri. Keep an eye on him in the middle rounds of this coming NFL draft. Let's take one more break. When we come back, you know, we will wrap it up by kind of talking about some in-house decisions the Eagles can make at wide receiver because a lot of them are set to be free agents as well this year, and some of them might be the biggest names on the market. That's coming up next right here on the Locked On Eagles podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Eagles Offseason Options Edition, and we are talking wide receivers. We got into some of the bigger names that the Eagles could add in free agency and in the draft, and then some lower names in both avenues to add talent to this position. Gino, in-house, it's an interesting situation here. You have Alshon Jeffrey locked up for $14 million in 2019. The option for Nelson Aguilar has been picked up at $9.5 million. I think they're going to try to extend him, give him a contract extension, and try to lower that cap hit. And then you got guys like Golden Tate, Mike Wallace, and Jordan Matthews who are all up for a new contract, who are all supposed to replace uh, Torrey Smith excuse me, as that third receiver. And while you know it was first started off as Mike Wallace, he instantly gets hurt on his first catch or second catch in Tampa Bay week two. Didn't really get to see him be that deep threat last year for Carson Wentz like they intended him to be. Golden Tate comes in after Jordan Matthews has a couple you know, so-so games. He was kind of a rotational piece. They really ran a lot of 12 personnel instantly when they brought Jordan Matthews in. I I think back to that Colts game where you remember Josh Perkins getting a lot of snaps with <laughs> Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. And while Sadly, Matthews, I do. Yeah, Matthews made some plays down the field, that deep bomb again uh, against Tennessee 
also in the playoffs against the Saints. I would really like Jordan Matthews to come back as that fourth guy, regardless of what they do mm-hmm. in the draft and in free agency. But I think Golden Tate is good as gone. I think he's going to command a big contract, like you said in the first segment. And as for Mike Wallace, maybe Mike Wallace. I think he can maybe be that plan B if you don't add one of these burners in free agency like a John Brown, like a Deshaun Jackson, and maybe you just decide you want to bring back Mike Wallace, who might feel like he didn't really get to be a part of that playoff run last year and might want to try to run it back with Philadelphia. He really seemed like he enjoyed his time here, despite not really playing more than two games. He only played one full game week one against the Falcons. So if I had to bet, I would say definitely Aguilar's coming back. And Jordan Matthews, I think Matthews definitely wants to be here still. He's really close with a lot of teammates like Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz. If I was a betting man, I would say Golden Tate and Mike Wallace are out. I think you're pretty spot on there. If I had to give a way too early projection of the depth chart come next year, I I say Elshon's your one. Aguilar's back under a restructured deal. Yep. You're going to bring in a rookie. You're going to bring in a free agent, i.e. a John Brown, a Brashad Perriman, a Cordell Patterson type. You're going to pick one of the two of Shelton Gibson or Mac Collins. Who are you pulling for in that one? I think Mac, just because of his ability on special teams. And we really don't know if Shelton Gibson could give anything outside of that field stretching ability. And if you're going to keep one of the two, you're going to keep the guy that can both get downfield and play special teams. Especially if you add a deep threat, like there really is no need for Gibson. If you added like a Philip Dorsett and a Demarcus Lodge, like there's no need for Gibson anymore. Yeah, for sure. I agree 100%. And you haven't seen enough out of him to really garner him to be on the team. I I think when it's all said and done, they keep five for sure. Six, maybe if they find a, another late-round pick they like. If, say, a Mike Wallace is their plan B, or they wait to pick up a guy like a Chris Hogan or something, just another possession receiver. You never know. I, I just think you can't really bank on both Mack and Shelton to be on the team next year. Nelson is going to get restructured. Golden Tate is basically as good as gone. I, I think he's going to get a deal anywhere from 13 to $15 million. Get this team oh a subs- Dude, it's... Yeah, you're right. Look it. You keep talking about Sammy Watkins. Who's had more production million. over their, their career? Golden, Golden Tate, Tate or Sammy Watkins? Golden Tate blows them away. Yeah, so think about it. A team like Buffalo, they have nearly $100 million in cap space. Yep. Their best wide receiver is Robert freaking Foster, who is literally... A, a nobody before. Yeah, the Jets as well, whose best receivers are Robbie Anderson, to keep an eye on. If he is not tendered under that RFA tag, I wouldn't mind him either. But one of these teams, even Oakland too, these teams need wide receivers, and there is a limited quantity. It's the basic economic principle of supply and demand. When the supply is low, or when the demand is high and supply is low, the economic price of that unit is going to increase. The economic price of these receivers is going to increase to a level which we haven't seen before for names that nobody has really seen before. So a guy like Golden Tate is going to get you at least a fourth-round comp pick, maybe a third if his contract is big enough, but you're definitely going to recoup something for him. But this team, they you as long as you have Elshon, as long as you bring in a speed element, I think this offense can go. I think you can really plug and play a lot of the rest of this offense. I would like to, for them to bring in a, a young receiver that can be molded behind Carson Wentz. He really hasn't found that guy. Alshon they brought in from free agency. He really wasn't be able able to mold him. Like you look at a, an Aaron Rodgers and a Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson type. They weren't the best receivers coming out of college, but they were young. 
they were willing to learn, and they had a unique skill set that they can incorporate into their offense. You bring in a young receiver who's willing to learn and willing to play his role well, I think you're going to bring in a guy that could be on this team for a couple years to come and be Carson's not go-to, but a reliable weapon outside of just Elshon Jeffrey. Yeah, we've come a long way from Doriel Green Beckham, Josh Huff, and number 17, Nelson Aguilar, haven't we? Definitely. So no matter what, we're not really screwed regardless of what they do. And, yeah, look, it's a position that it gets overpaid in free agency. I think of receiver, you know, offensive line, of course, but, you know, receiver and, like, cornerback, you see a lot of guys like Robert Woods getting a big deal with the Rams and Wild. Mm-hmm. Looks better than the Sammy Watkins deal. But, like, again, look at Sammy Watkins. Look at what Terrell Williams might get this year. But regardless, the Eagles are going to have some options on the cheap if they don't want to spend big money. They can also go into the draft. I really like a lot of the options they have at the top if they want to spend one of those first three picks at the position or if they wait. And we hope that you guys got some new names to go in and watch some highlights of, get excited of those guys potentially catching balls from Carson Wentz. But that's going to do it for today's edition of Offseason Options Wide Receiver Edition right here on the Locked On Eagles podcast. As always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow our accounts on Twitter at LockedOnBirds, at DiBiaseLOE, and at Gino underscore LOE. We also have our written content posted on LockedOnEagles.com as well as all our podcasts. So for Gino Camilleri signing off, I'm Louis DiBiase. This has been Locked On Eagles. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.